Welcome to the Non-Anxious Leader Podcast. I'm Jack Shitama, author, teacher, speaker, and coach. I focus on your spiritual, emotional, and physical well-being to help you be the best leader possible. Each episode explores research and practical tips so you can be a non-anxious presence personally and professionally. And now, here's the show. Welcome to episode 81 of the Non-Anxious Leader Podcast. I am Jack Shatama, and we are going to jump right into this episode. I'm told by my son and daughter-in-law that when they were first dating, the first time they had sandwiches together, my future daughter-in-law picked up the sandwiches from a deli and did not get potato chips. When they met and she had the sandwiches without the chips, my son got very upset. We have a saying in our family, and that is, and that is a sandwich without chips is like fish without rice. I grew up in a Japanese family, and you always have a mouthful of starch to go with a mouthful of protein when you are eating. Now, my daughter-in-law did not know that she was doing anything wrong. As far as she was concerned, a sandwich didn't necessarily need potato chips. But they do. At least that's what my family thinks. This little tidbit of cultural norm in my family of origin was passed on from my parents to me and from me to my children through a process called intergenerational transmission. This is the idea that norms, values, patterns of living, habits can be transmitted from one generation to the other. This is the foundation for surrounding togetherness pressure because when people break from the norm of the ways that families of origin, congregations, or organizations do things, this creates anxiety, and that anxiety then results in surrounding togetherness pressure to return to the norm. Examples of intergenerational transmission in family systems theory can often be bad, such as substance abuse, violence within families, and marital instability. But this kind of passing on from generation to generation is not always a bad thing. It can often be a good thing. There are cherished traditions that could be life-giving. There are cultural traditions and practices that help us to claim who we are as a people. These can be positive and can help us value who we are as a person and where we come from. I started thinking about this idea of intergenerational transmission because our grandson, turned three this weekend. We had a birthday party for him. And my son and daughter-in-law, who are the parents of a different grandson who's only three months old, came to visit for the weekend. My wife and I are early risers, and we have this understanding with our son and daughter-in-law that when our grandson, our three-month-old grandson, wakes up early in the morning and is not going back to sleep, they can just bring him out and we will watch him so that they can get some extra sleep. And we did this for the weekend. We also did this when we were on vacation in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. And we did it when we went to visit them. It's just a thing that we do. But what I realized this weekend was that this was something that my parents did for us. 
and I don't even know if I really understood it at the time. I think I just kind of took it for granted. We were young parents in our 20s and were always sleep deprived. And I guess we just wanted that extra sleep. I don't know how much we really appreciated or expressed our appreciation, but it was something that was very helpful. Of course, we had four children and when you have that many kids and some of them get up and you don't have to get up, you can sleep in. That is a wonderful gift. Until this weekend, I never really thought that we might even have a choice to do that. This is just what we do as a family. The grandparents get up early, and when the grandkids get up, the parents get to sleep. Now, just like any other family norms, cultural norms, this is neither right nor wrong. It's just different. It's just what we do as a family. But unless you think about it, unless you are aware, you may not even know what your cultural norms are. You may not even know the things that pass on through intergenerational transmission. We were having dinner last night, and my son and daughter were talking about how they never got to buy lunch in school. They always had to pack lunch. Now, this is something that was a part of both my family and my wife's family. Whether we had the money or not, it's just not something you did. You didn't spend money on buying lunch when you could take your own lunch. The interesting thing was my son said that when he was in school, he would get two sandwiches. I, I don't recall this, but I guess he would ask for two sandwiches. My daughter looked at him and said, you got two sandwiches? And I thought, well, I guess if he asked, I would give him two sandwiches. But anyway, he would take two sandwiches, and the sandwiches I made for him were so good that he could take one of them and sell them for another person's entire lunch money and buy lunch and eat that along with the rest of his own lunch. The funny thing about this is my father's sandwiches were so good that I could sell a half of my sandwich for lunch money and do the same thing. On days when I really wanted the tacos or whatever it was that I actually liked from school lunch, I was able to sell a half of my sandwich and get lunch money. I don't even resent the fact that one half of my dad's sandwiches were worth as much as one entire sandwich that I made. The idea here was that this was something that was passed down from generation to generation and I'm going to guess that my son will make sandwiches for his kids that are just as good. In fact, that is something that is a part of who we are. All four of my kids care very much about sandwiches and put a lot of time and effort into making good ones. The funny thing is, when we were talking about this, my daughter-in-law was like, well, you guys didn't make your own lunch. We had to make our own lunch, and we didn't really care about our sandwiches we just had like bread, turkey, and mayonnaise. My children wouldn't even think of making a turkey sandwich without putting lettuce, tomato, and cheese on it. But that's the point here. The point is that intergenerational transmission is specific to the system involved, and each system transmit their own norms, patterns, and values. The takeaway here for the non-anxious leader is that since intergenerational transmission is system-specific, you as a leader will always run into others 
who have different norms and values from whatever system they come from. And if you are new to a system, for example, if you're coming in as a new pastor or a new leader in a ministry or organization, then they are already going to have their patterns, their norms built in, and it is almost a certainty that yours are not going to match it, at least in some places. So what's a leader to do? The first thing is to be aware. Self-awareness is key. I say this all the time, but being aware of your own biases, being aware of your own systemic patterns from your family of origin will help you to avoid needless conflict between different systems, your system as a leader, uh, your own family of origin, and the systems that you are in, and the systems from which other people come. So remember that there are at least three systems involved in any interaction, your family of origin, the system for the organization or congregation that you're leading, and then the system from the other person that might be involved in an interaction in a relationship. And of course, if there are multiple people, there are going to be multiple systems. Everybody is going to come with their own assumptions about what is right and what is wrong. And as I mentioned, if you are new in a system, there are likely going to be multiple people who already agree on what the norms are for that system, for that congregation, that ministry or organization. If you notice that you are saying to yourself, what is wrong with them? How can they even think that? How can they do things that way? It is very likely that your own bias is getting in the way. Your own norms and values are getting in the way. This is a time to self-regulate. This is a time to check yourself and say, what is going on here? What do I need to do to make sure that I understand that there are different systemic values, different systemic norms that are colliding. This is exactly what a couple goes through when they are learning to live together, when they are learning to make a life together. And this is the same for a leader, whether you are in a new situation or whether you've been there a long time. You may come across things where people's values are going to be separate from yours and being able to recognize that this is emotional process this is not content. This is something that is going on where different norms and values are coming into conflict. You can avoid the actual conflict by being able to restrain yourself from the content of the situation. The second thing you can do once you've been able to put yourself in check and realize that this may be a conflict between different systemic norms is to be able to then assess whether or not this is something worth taking a stand over. Sometimes it's okay to give in because it doesn't really matter that much. It is just the difference between how one group of people do things and how another group of people do things. And if it is not critical to your functioning as a leader, then it's okay to give in. Of course, if you're always giving in, that's not really leadership, that's adaptivity, and that will create anxiety in its own right in the system. But let's say you are new in a system, in a congregation, and you are used to doing the prayer after the offering, but in this congregation, they do the prayer before the offering. Is this a deal breaker? 
you'll have to decide whether or not it is. But in my mind, it's not. And if it were me, I would not try to change that. I would not try to create a conflict of wills where there doesn't need to be one. On the other hand, if you believe online giving is something that's going to be critical to funding the ministry and there is resistance to that because people are not familiar with it. It's just not how they have done things before. This is not the norm that has been passed down from generation to generation. Then you may need to take a non-anxious stand and let people know that what you think and how critical you believe this is to your vision for the ministry. These are simple examples to try to help illustrate a point, but I think the biggest benefit of understanding intergenerational transmission and how systems can come into conflict is that it can help you to avoid taking things personally. When you meet up with resistance, because somebody else is coming from a different place, they're coming from different norms, and they are just not getting you or what you are about, it is not really about you. It's more about how they are uncomfortable with the clash in systemic values, and they do not even realize that this is what's going on. So they are not trying to take things out on you. They are just not able to deal with their own anxiety in a healthy way. When we as leaders are able to remain a non-anxious presence and be connected to them emotionally, when we are able to not get involved in a fight with them, but also we are able to stay connected to them, we can give them emotional space to work through that. I find actually that understanding things in this way helps me to have compassion for other people who are struggling with something and maybe taking it out on me. And that is one of the biggest benefits of understanding these concepts. And hey, if you want to have a sandwich without potato chips, that's fine. Go ahead. But I'm going to wait until I can get some. Well, that's it for this episode. If you want to connect with me, you can go to the nonanxiousleader.com. You can subscribe to my blog and you'll get a couple articles a month as well as a weekly email with recommendations on things that I have found helpful as a leader. You can also just email me through the contact form on the nonanxiousleader.com and I will respond directly to you. People do that on a regular basis. So I'd like to hear from you. I'd like to connect with you and help you to be a non-anxious leader. Until next time, thanks and goodbye. Thank you for listening. If you found this episode helpful, there are two things you can do to help others find this podcast. First, tap the subscribe button on your podcast app. And second, leave a review. I appreciate your help. Finally, you can find more resources as well as subscribe to my blog at the nonanxiousleader.com. Now, go be yourself.